0: the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece.
1: I'm Alex. I'm James.
0: And we're back again.
1: Oh, I, I don't know. I thought you
2: were going to do like a, like a da, Pink Panther da, da, thing again. Da, da. Yeah. I, yeah, that's
0: it. I've been really into Pink Panther lately. No, I think that this is... What?
2: Wait, what? You can't just glaze over this fiction you just created. We
0: watched. I watched it with Gwen a while back and I've had the song stuck in my head for a very long time. Oh, okay. okay. I have a very important announcement to make oh. on the show today. And that is that I, C.C. Cornette, now like matcha. <laughs> yes.
2: You poor thing.
0: I used to hate it because I thought it tasted like fish flakes. I, I, I found out how to make fish it. Fish flakes? It tastes like fish flakes. Not anymore. So I just wanted to get that off my chest because I'm just like, I'm proud of it.
1: I'm a mm. matcha person
0: now. Uh, well. I'm on the same caliber as James now. Oh, go. is that so? Yeah, we're <laughs> both on the same level, and then there's Alex. You know, drinking his his
2: my black cherry soda, please.
0: Ew, gross, <laughs> gross. <laughs> James, how have you been lately?
1: I've been good. Um, little crip Malted. Little crip yeah. is presumably a male now. We've or always has been, but now we know it. <laughs>
0: I, I saw that. I saw that you said that it looks like he's got little boxing gloves on, which yeah. indicates that it's a boy. Yep. And and if you're a new listener, number one, welcome to the podcast. We're very happy to have you here. And number two, Lil Crip is a jumping spider that James found in his apartment. Yep. And is now living with James and his other menagerie of tarantulas.
2: <laughs> now, is Lil Crip the one that you let go and then he came back? You're yep. like, oh, hey, buddy. Let's yep. live together
1: now. That is exactly what happened. Super weird.
0: James decided to catch and release. He felt bad for keeping Little Crip in a little plastic tub. Yep. So we let him go, and then he came back.
2: Talk about serendipity. <laughs> <laughs> this is true love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true love. What do you feed Little Crip?
1: Um, usually fruit flies.
0: Ooh, James. That's nasty. <laughs> um, anyways, we've been good here on our... and our side of the world Mm -hmm. just we went to the beach last week (laughs) and it was wonderful to get a dip our toes in the gulf which is mostly
2: all we got to do because there's one day it was like a sandstorm
0: oh it was so windy
2: like like it was like the visibility was like uh not even a mile probably and there's just so much sand like hitting your glasses and ocean spray like
0: you couldn't see anything.
2: It was cool. I mean, it was fine. We still went to the beach during
0: it. <laughs> yeah, we still went.
2: Because <laughs> we had a limited number of days, but...
0: It was really, really nice. It was nice. And it's inspired our icebreaker, which we'll get to here in a minute. But before we do that, do we want to give our hearty hellos to the world? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let me pull up my computer. And James, what are we doing on our... Patreon this week.
1: Uh, this week, I am doing my Q&A, and I got a very interesting open-ended question uh, instead of a whole bunch of smaller questions, and so it's just me rambling about that for 20 minutes.
0: So, you guys, you don't want to miss out on that.
2: Yeah, rumor is it had to do with some sort of parasite thing. Yep. Parasites. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: my question, James, is if somebody does want to opt in to view that, how can they do it?
1: Uh, the best way they could do that is to go to our website 345 dot com and uh, click the link to our Patreon and then become a patron.
0: Yes. Ooh. So let me uh, let me pull up my hearty hellos. Mm. We are going to say hello to everyone in the Philippines because oh. we've had a big spike in listeners there. Mm. Awesome. Also, cool. somebody is listening in Hong Kong, which awesome. I think is really nifty, and Tennessee here in this, the states. Cool. Oh. So, wherever oh, okay. you're listening around the globe, we want to say thank you and hello. But we're going to give a special highlight to those those three places this week. Also, last week was our episode on White House secrets. <laughs> And my friend, Caitlin, who submitted that topic was very distraught that we didn't give any fun facts about her because I completely forgot that we had fun facts for a brief period because we haven't been doing them for a while. But anyways, I told Caitlin that I promised I would share two fun facts about her. The first one, are you guys ready? Yep. She's highly opposed to the color mauve, mostly because of the way it sounds when you say the word. (laughs) Mauve. Mauve. I hate
1: puce for the same reason.
0: James, I understand pews. That's a disgusting word. Yeah, don't say it again. And then the second fun fact about Caitlin is that she almost cut her finger off in a paper shredder. She got her finger caught in a paper shredder. True story. Mm. And you know how I think, if I remember correctly, how she did it was she was trying to prove to somebody that you could shred a CD. And
2: <laughs> wow,
0: yeah. So, so
2: silence it, over here at my end. Yeah, Alex is.
0: <laughs> Alex does not understand, but you know what? It's okay. Mm-hmm. So, you guys, those are some fun facts about Caitlin. I
1: mean, that is a way to prove something, right? Yeah. I, mean- I guess CD stands for Carved Digit. <laughs>
0: <See>? <laughs> that's perfect, James. That's go. exactly what happened. I think she still has a scar on it. But anyways, do you guys have anything else that you guys want to talk about before we get to our icebreaker?
2: I'm icebreaker ready over here. Me too.
0: Okay, you guys. So, I mentioned that we were in Florida, earlier this week and that brought an an idea to my head because i saw somebody post are you the type of person who unpacks the day that you get home or are you normal <laughs> and so i want to know do you guys unpack the day that you get home from vacation or do you let it stew and sit for days on end mm.
1: stew and sit
2: 100% mm.
1: I, I travel uh-huh. so light that it's literally just like, I mean, I just put my clothes in the, the washing machine and I'm done.
0: Wow, James, uh, it yeah. must be nice. Mm. Yeah. That's not how it goes for us because it's like whenever we travel, we've got children's clothes and yeah. a dog and I all take that a stuff. day
1: bag when I go for a week. Yeah, that's Man. what I would do if I was by myself. I wish you guys could see Spice right now. She is out and about.
0: Spice is out and about, Alex.
1: Strutting around, it's in because nude.
0: it's because, dear listener, it's because James sprayed his house for some type of fly, and so he had to move his tarantulas up into his office. Yep.
2: Now, now, if you're wondering why he's particularly distracted this episode, <laughs> it's because he's marveling over his spiders. Yeah, I'm Especially surrounded. Spice.
0: James, you need to you need to take a, a panoramic picture of your office to show everybody <laughs> what your spider setup looks like.
1: There we go.
0: So, anyways, listener, I want to know are you the type of person who unpacks your bag first day after vacation or are you normal? So, (laughs)
2: whatever.
0: Anyways, all right,
2: fake news.
0: Quick icebreaker today because I am ready to talk about our topic, you guys. Me too. I want to get into it. And this week, we're talking about (laughs) unidentified submerged objects aka USOs, and this topic was submitted to us by Danielle, so thank you, Danielle, for sending this one in, because we're excited to to hop into it, and Alex is going to start us off today. Baby, what kind of USO are you talking about?
2: Well, I wanted to quickly do a story by Mark D'Antonio. He's an astronomer. He's a chief video analyst for the Mutual UFO Network, Mm -hmm. so he's used to kind of digging into these things. He's also like a film industry advisor and a CEO of a company called FX Models, which the name implies does models for FX companies. That's what I think. (laughs) Yeah, so he actually has a lot of cred in the UFO community, I guess, because maybe he can spot errors and he can tell what's fake and what's not because of his FX background. Mm-hmm. And he's frequently invited to a lot of conferences, and one of, at one of the conferences, he spoke about this account that he personally experienced while on a U.S. Navy sub years ago. Uh, he said that there's a sonar operator. He's you know he's just standing around the sub. Here's a sonar operator go off. He says fast mover, fast mover, and he calls up an executive officer and they double check the instruments, make their make sure everything's like, is this right? And so they double check, they make, They look at another radar, everything looks good, the speed is going at several hundred knots, which is just really fast.
0: That's
1: fast?
2: That's really fast. Um, knots are just miles per hour, right, James? Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's just going several knots faster than like anything else we goes. And it's definitely not a malfunction, and the sonar guy, after the thing disappears off the radar, the sonar guy's like, what... It, what was that? And the executive officer told him what to do with the information and he said, log it and dog it.
0: What does that mean?
2: That means write it down and bury it. Nice. I that's like that. rude. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. I, I saw that and I was like, that's a really cool thing." I like that. So yeah, log it and dog it. And so <laughs> it's pretty wild that he was like there to be able to see it. Maybe a stretch for some people. I don't know. But he said he went on to Interview a bunch of people over the years. And I guess over the time he, w- he found a senior naval figure and he, wa- he he was talking to him and he asked him, he's like, like they're pretty friendly. He said, what's the fast mover program? Something that he had heard about. And the officer says, sorry, Mark, I can't talk about that program. That implication and wording that he used implies that there is an existing fast mover program for detecting, and logging things that are fast-moving underwater that shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, and it kind of, I guess it implies also that are USOs are common enough that there is a program that is, you know, to identify, probably even classify, and they definitely clock their speeds. Yeah. So there's definitely a program that the Navy uses to keep track of these things. Now, I was wanting to look at various things that might be in this Mm -hmm. um, fast mover program. Uh Uh, The first one is an event that happened in Seattle, Washington in 1966. Uh, Some people aboard the USS Tiru SS 416 was out near Seattle, Washington. The submarine was, it was like sitting it really close to the pier. And while they're, they're cruising the water surface right outside, uh, One afternoon, and they look out, and they see this strange object. And it's about two miles away. And they look out, and they see that this thing is falling. And it just comes crashing down from the sky. It's a, this metallic craft, larger than a football field. Ooh. And it just drops from the clouds. And it, apparently, like, the way it's falling, it's not even like a controlled fall. It's like it's almost spinning end over end. Hmm which is a really odd description for something like this. And it, when it hits the water, it shoots like a big geyser into the to the air. Well, they the lookouts called some of the other lookouts and they're all looking like at the area and it happens again. This object shoots out of the water and does this like tumbling maneuver back into the water again. And no one can describe it. Like the captain saw it the quartermaster saw it and then these three lookouts all saw this object and they could not figure out what was happening crazy it's so weird and so it, the, the the captain's act, uh, reaction to all of this apparently was that he told his crew to never talk about this again
0: to to log it and dog it
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah to log it and dog mm-hmm. it uh obviously you know
0: Someone talked, about, talked it, about it, which, which
2: who who wouldn't? But yeah, they they described the shape of the craft as like this, like a saucer, but it's an inverted bowl, is what they called it. And so it was like kind of odd shaped, and it was very metallic, and it had they described it as having a lot of machine parts. So it wasn't like this smooth obelisk like that. I feel like we picture a lot of times with these ships. Like this, like was like a piece of machinery, hmm. like a clear piece of machinery that they hmm. were witnessing do this weird maneuver. Now, another incident is the Shag Harbor UFO slash USO incident, and this is this is a really weird one too because it's got a lot of witnesses, and this is apparently one of the more documented. Sightings of a U.S.O. So, this Shag Harbour is in Nova Scotia, and this all starts with a sighting by Air Canada Flight 305. They're looking out their window and they see this craft that's kind of running parallel to them, but it's miles away, and it's this rectangular object that is really bright. And this is at 7:15 p.m. He's wa- the pilot's watching it. At 7.19, he says he sees what looks like an explosion, followed by, two minutes later, another explosion. And the explosion, like, fades into this blue cloud around the object. And so he he's, he's calling this thing in. Now, around the same time, a guy named Daryl Dory and his family are sitting on their porch, and they see a large object maneuvering just around the horizon. And they wrote a letter the next day to the base about what they saw And because it was unlike anything they had ever seen at about the same time while driving his boat, captain Leo saw four blips on his radar that weren't, uh, they weren't moving. They were just hovering there. And when he looked up, he saw four bright objects situated in a rectangular formation and his entire crew of 20 people stood on the deck and saw these things.
0: That's creepy.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they radioed it in immediately. And while after all these things have happened at 10 o'clock that night, the newspaper or newspapers are talking about it. I guess like the people at the newspaper are getting the calls in about it. And local radio stations are getting calls about the reports of glowing objects that people are seeing all the way up till 10 PM. And then some, because at 1120 on October 4th, 1967, it was reported that something had crashed into the water of Shag Harbor. Eleven people saw this object whiz by them and kind of like humming like you know when you watch a movie and you see like a a rocket gets fired and you hear it like it goes. Shh. Yeah, and then like, it, like whistles passes and then explodes. Yeah, they said that that's what it sounded like.
0: That was a good impression it, of the whistle, yeah. Alex. Thank
2: you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and and so they see this ship crash into the water, and these five friends walk, walk up to uh, get a better perspective to see what happened, and they see that they're it's just floating there on the water with this yellowish foam trailing behind it Ew. in the water. And so they called the police the police. (laughs) They called the police who showed up fifteen minutes later and guess what?
0: Was it gone?
2: No. What? The two police officers saw the ship. They got there and they both saw the ship and everyone saw it sink. Whoa. Did
0: they like send in a team to take a look at what it was under the water? Well
2: they, they called other people in and they search the area, try to find debris. There's no debris. The only thing left is foam. So no debris, no signs of life, nothing, just a nothing, nothing, just a little bit of yellow foam left from where it was. So yeah. So like even uh, a, a ship showed up to try to save people. If they had like everybody was getting in on this, the coast guard showed up, everyone's looking, doesn't seem like there's anything there. Uh, the air force shows, or not the air force. The uh, yeah, the air force got involved searching, and then also the coast guard had divers go in the next day and comb the ground to find anything.
0: Nothing there.
2: Nothing there.
0: There must be. There must be a tunnel, an underground tunnel. <laughs> yeah.
2: Nothing there, but some claim that maybe it was hauled off overnight. But there, there, there's no proof of that. Like that, maybe the navy hauled mm, it off overnight. No,
0: but she was the men in black. You're very like, possible I'll take it.
2: but you know the no missing aircraft are shown on any logs like there there is no explanation for how this happened like mm. maybe if if a plane had gone missing or something like that but everything's accounted for there's nothing missing
0: sounds nuts out of me <laughs> and
2: there's all these sightings from all these people and completely unrelated from each other yeah i, I don't know i don't know what happened like it seems like almost like there's a fight of some sort because there's two different sets of ships. There's explosions. The thing meanders around after certain explosions for like four hours. And then it crashes and vanishes.
0: Your guess is as good as mine. Now,
2: I saw that some people theorized that there was mention of a, another sighting that made another ship came and like help these people out. I couldn't find that anywhere except for on a few message boards. I couldn't find any details about that.
0: So no one knows.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of USOs, guys. Oh, my goodness.
0: I found a bunch. I have a question about USOs, James, and I think you'd probably be able to answer. But okay. when does it go from being a UFO to a USO? Because when
1: it hits the water. When it yeah. hits the water. I mean, that that really sums it up.
0: <laughs> but then it's like, what if it comes out of the water?
1: That's probably- right. Well, really, the, the experience... Where it takes place, where it's, it's sighted is what matters. So if, if you're in a submarine and you see a UFO and then it takes off and goes above the um, surface of the sea, well, you had a USO encounter. Whereas if you're flying a plane over the ocean and, and there's an object behind you and it vanishes and you see it disappear beneath the sea, well, you had a UFO encounter that just on the tail end turned into a USO. Mm.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Hmm. So these are kind of UFO encounters that turn to USO encounters.
2: That's going to be
0: mine. But James, mm. I know that you're talking about true USOs. Yeah. I want to hear about it. Sure. Tell me.
1: Um, one really interesting one that's been talked about a lot lately. Um, it was actually made public in 2004 and it was, it was talked about on this little rinky dink podcast, uh, I, I doubt any of our listeners have heard of it, but it's called um, Joe Rogan Experience. Anyway, anyway, his his episode thirteen sixty one. He interviews Commander David Fravor, and David Fravor had a very interesting story. He was piloting the MH fifty three EC Dragon which is a Navy version of the Marine Corps CH-53C Stallion. And he was based out at a naval station on Roosevelt Roads, Puerto Rico. So on two occasions, he was recovering practice munitions that had been shot into the water. And he noticed something weird. And that is a dark mass. So that's his first description of it, a dark mass mass underwater. So they go down to get a practice drone that they had had fired out. And he says that it's kind of circular, you know, so first it's a dark mass. As they get closer, they're able to establish a shape, kind of circular. Here's something to know about things that are kind of circular. Naval aircraft carriers are not circular. Submarines (laughs) are not circular frigates
2: maybe really it's the tu- maybe it's the tube they're dragging behind them
1: there we go yeah <laughs> generally when we're talking about seacraft and aircraft none of the ones that human beings use are circular so that alone is a little concerning so after that they just went back like they didn't they didn't talk about it, they didn't log it. they didn't report it. They were just like, whatever, that was weird. So later they go to get a uh, practice torpedo. Again, that's pretty much what this guy's doing. He's retrieving spent munitions. And in this instance, he noticed that the uh, torpedo had been pulled down in front of the object, almost as if it almost as if the object had some sort of defense capability that involved, altering the trajectory of the torpedo. I don't know, maybe maybe like, I I know I've I've referenced mass effect a bunch, but maybe it has some kind of mass effect field where it increases the density of an object and as such was able to uh, uh, just raise the mass of the torpedo so much that it just got pulled down into the Earth's crust. Like it was a lot heavier than it was. Mm. Well, after he went public with all this, a elderly woman, 79 years old, contacted him and she said that her dad who was a naval officer was based at a naval station in San Francisco in the 50s and then when she was a kid her dad showed her a telegram that sh- stated that UFOs or USOs, had been cuz this one this one breaches the two had been sighted going in and out of the water at latitude and longitude coordinates that are now forgotten so she doesn't have any recollection as to exactly where But, and this is the important bit, her dad said, we get these all the time, but it's always the same coordinates. So something was going on off the coast of San Francisco, and something was going on off the coast of Puerto Rico. And one other thing I would like to also bring up about UFO sightings regarding the ocean is, one, a disproportionate number of UFO, F is important, sightings, are over the ocean to begin with. And that makes a lot of sense because the ocean's big. We live on an ocean planet. If you were a uh, spacefaring race and you didn't want to be detected by people, it would make sense if you had the technology to park it somewhere away from the dominant species. So it makes a lot of sense in that regard. Another thing that I would like to talk about ties in with that. And that is the concept of Foo Fighters. So not the band. Um, Foo Fighters, the etymology is actually pretty funny because in the 30s, a lot like now, people had a really surreal sense of humor. And comic strips were like crazy popular, like just insanely popular. And there was one called Smokey Stover, which was very, very surreal. And... One of the occupations in this was being a Foo Fighter. So what does a Foo Fighter do? Well, they fight Foo. And that's the explanation. Like, they never actually, <laughs> you know, elaborate. Ooh. That's sort of the joke. Well, during a the period where this comic was popular, you know, World War II, a lot of people started seeing UFOs over the ocean, doubly so the uh, over Western Europe. For, for whatever reason, that was where there was a lot more of them, and the Indian Ocean to a lesser extent. So pretty much in the 30s and 40s, what would happen is fighter pilots would be flying over the sea, and they would see something usually, and this is, this is something we see now, usually either spherical or tic-tac-shaped. And the reason I bring that up, the reason why I want to make that distinction, I think it's interesting that... Even now, when we see a lot of uh, you know modern day UFOs caught on like cell phone camera and modern cameras, oddly enough, the ones that are sighted in like the Midwest or the American Southwest or just a landlocked area, a lot of times they are saucer shaped, or in some cases pyramid shaped, but the ones over the ocean tend to be spherical or tic tac shaped, and when I think about that, I wonder if maybe there's not sort of a uh, a logistical reason why a spacecraft that maybe they're aware they're going to be dealing with, you know, an aquatic environment. And so they they alter the craft accordingly. Kind of like what we do. I, I do think that that's a plausible explanation for why the ones seen over the ocean tend to be tic-tac or spherical. Now, there is one other thing, and I won't actually I won't cover it just yet. I'll wait till CC covers hers because you might cover it, but I do think that the spherical one, there's another possible explanation. Um, that being said, tons of Air Force uh, sightings of uh, spherical and tic-tac-shaped objects, which lended to the name Foo Fighter during World War II. We see that on record for decades up to the modern year. So, I find it interesting. Again, I know I say that a lot. I find it interesting, but really, USOs Tic-tacs and, and orbs, UFOs, saucers, and pyramids.
0: All right, you guys. <laughs> is it my turn? Y'all want me to talk? Go for it. All right, boys. <laughs> Today, I'm a, I've am i got two little tidbit stories. And it's more like a story and then just some interesting little alien information for any listeners who may be experiencing wanderlust and they want to go try to find some E.T. friends somewhere around the world. So, <laughs> Anyways. First, I want to talk about uh, an encounter that happened way, way, way back in the beginning of January of this year over the beautiful sea surrounding Hawaii in Nanakuli on Oahu, to be exact. Wow, you did
2: a really good job. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. But according to ABC7 News, it was a nice evening. The sun had already set. (laughs) Residents... They're minding their own business. Probably listening at Driver's License song by Olivia Rodrigo. Sure. You know that one? <laughs> Neither of you know what song I'm talking about? Do my
2: Driver's License, License, License. Hey, <laughs> hey. Oh <my> gosh.
0: <laughs> you got – all right, whatever. I'm just going to – okay. <laughs> Anyways. Also, I looked this up because I was like, what song was really popular when this happened? And that song. And then also, people were still listening to – all I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. i never one.
2: that all of this is fabricated.
0: Okay, anyways. Um, okay, so everybody's minding their own business, and then all of a sudden they see in the sky, they see this big blue pole-like thing appear out of nowhere, and it's weird looking. And they actually have video of this. So, dear listener, if you are in a safe spot and have access to the internet, by all means, look it up. Just search, like, Hawaii UFO January 2021. But... The craft looked like this straight pole-like object it's just floating in the air, and people around the island saw it, a lot of people. And they were just like, whoa, what's that? So they start calling 911 because seriously, like, what is that? You know what I mean? If you saw a giant blue pole in the sky, Alex, what would you do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> is anyone dancing on it? <laughs>
0: <Alex>. <laughs> All right. Back to ABC7. They interviewed a witness named mistina sape i think is how you say her name and she was at home when she looks up in the sky sees it and of the experience she had to say this quote i look up and then i was like oh and the s word insert the s word there i started calling my husband then because they were in the garage i was like hey come look up there see if you see what i see spoiler alert you guys they did so <laughs> wow. yeah guess what happens next more people see it a lot of people saw it. But next, Sape and her family hop in their car and they followed it as it's flying through the air.
1: I guess she Which, had her driver's license.
0: She had her <laughs> driver's license, yes. <laughs> this seems bananas to me because it's like when I see something that I don't know what it is, my initial reaction is to go the other way. Sape's did not like me. She's like you, James. She's going to go follow it. So they followed it. They see the the blue pole soaring through the air just wicked fast. And then a white pole ship appears in the sky. So now there are two of them, one white, one blue. And the white one, it apparently floated behind a mountain or something. And they, could, they lost track of it. They didn't know what happened to it. But the blue one, here's the USO part, you guys. It crashed into the ocean. Henceforth why I'm talking about it. But it didn't start... Okay, so it looks a little bit more than just Alex just pulled up another picture, and it looks like it's got like an oscillating tail or something.
2: No, I think that's a reflection off the water. It doesn't look like a pole like when it ties up, but it looks like it's able to bend. It's
0: It's able able to to bend a little bit, you guys. It's not your average. um,
2: (laughs) Floating blue pole. (laughs) 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 Floating blue pole.
0: Um, But but anyways, it it landed in the water, and that's where it ended. And to this day, five-ish months later, we still don't know what it was. And lots of people called 911 to report it, so inevitably the FAA got involved. Of it, the FAA had to say that there was a possible report of a downed plane in the area at the time. But if you look at this thing, it looks nothing like a plane. This is not from,
2: it's not even a part of a plane.
0: Well, here's another thing that I thought. It was looks really like odd. someone
2: had a great time at a rave party and launched this thing to space.
0: I think it looks like <laughs> I think it looks like a glow stick. It like does a giant glow stick. Yeah, That's somebody's.
2: The Hulk tossed a glow stick into space. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the FAA said there's report of a possible plane that was down, but also we have no reports of any aircraft that disappeared off the radar, nor of any reports of quote overdue or missing aircraft. So number one. The video, again, looks nothing like a plane, so why would they even suggest this? And number two, what is it? Did you or did you not receive a report of a downed airplane? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I need answers. And so does Mistina Sape. Let's do right by her and find <laughs> out so that she can rest easy at night knowing what it was that she saw. That's right. Yay. She deserves our aid. She seemed, She seemed awesome in her interview. I really liked her vibe. But anyways... Uh, I tried to find an update on the story. I, like, I looked everywhere for it, and I could not find any update. So it seems like everything just stopped when they reported this in the beginning of January. So we're still in the dark, you guys. And we don't know. Are there aliens in this pole hmm. in the ocean? I heard the
2: best explanation was an LED kite.
0: An LED kite. I don't That's believe that. That's
2: real believable.
0: Well, she also said that it was massive. Like Based upon the size that she saw it in the, in the sky, she was like, it's far away, but it's big. I can tell it's big. So, anyways, since my story was on the shorter side today, I also figured that I would quickly run through some of the world's best travel spots if you're looking to spot a UFO. Because I'm not sure if you've heard, guys, but the U.S. government is going to let us travel internationally again this summer, apparently. Mm. How kind of them to, to let us <laughs> leave our homes. So this list brought to us today by OneTravel.com. And I guess these places are more geared toward people who also just kind of enjoy ancient aliens, too. Okay. So, the first suggestion is San Clemente, Chile. Chile. They have a stretch of land there that draws at least one UFO sighting a week. Which is a... That's that's a bit. Every single week, somebody says, I saw a UFO. And then, second place, Stonehenge. Who built it, you guys?
2: Um... I did. Atlanteans. (laughs) James
0: did. Atlanteans, according to Alex. How do we know that Atlanteans weren't initially aliens?
2: Mm,
0: It could have been aliens, you guys. It could have been ancient aliens. So you can travel to Stonehenge, marvel at their work from afar, I think. I don't think that you can just walk up to it. Um, Three, not surprising on the list, Roswell, New Mexico. I would be more surprised if this one wasn't on the list. It's a pretty prominent alien hotspot that I feel like all of us know about, so I'm not going to go into it. For Wycliffe Well, Australia, I'd never heard of this place before, but it seems awesome. And it's actually considered the UFO capital of Australia, and it's in the Northern Territory. So all of our listeners in Northern Territory, hello, how you doing? Hello. (laughs) But it's known for UFO sightings, but also, you guys, they have lots of good food and a variety of beers. So if you're a foodie or a beer snob and...
2: And you want to risk your life.
0: And you want to see an alien spaceship, by all means, add this place to your travel list.
2: Fun fact, if you go to Australia, aliens are the least scary thing there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Probably accurate for some of the creatures there. Uh, Five, Hooper, Colorado. They actually have a UFO watchtower there because so many people go there specifically to spot things that are out of this world. And then this one was not on that list that I pulled. Um, But since this is our USO episode, I also want to pull a vacay spot that you might be able to see a USO, uh, you know, a spacecraft crash into the water. (laughs) And this list was on (laughs) MapQuest.com. Wow. Yeah, MapQuest. Remember them? Look at that. I remember when I was in high school, Caitlin, my dear friend Caitlin, who I said the fun facts about earlier – We would print out MapQuest directions whenever we would go on our road trips because neither of us had a GPS. So for a few years, we would make an annual trek to Ohio to a shopping mall, and I printed out the directions. But we didn't read them, and we ended up driving to Louisville, which is, like, way out of the way when you're going to Columbus. And I added, like, two hours to our trip. So you guys, if you print out directions, which you shouldn't be doing nowadays, but if you do, make sure you read them when you're going somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. But this was the same trip that I ended up getting like the flu or some type of bug on. I got really sick. And I started out fine as we were driving. And then it was like during the drive, I got ill. And when we got to Columbus, we want to go shopping. But I couldn't go shopping. I couldn't walk. I I was like a slug. So Caitlin plopped me down in a chair at Barnes and Nobles with my purse. And she left me to my lonesome and I fell asleep for like four hours while she shopped. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Praise God, nothing happened to me. My purse was not stolen. I woke up. I think she dropped off some of her shopping bags because I woke up with like things around me. Mm. Anyways, okay. Got off topic there. But the last alien vacay spot is Horry County, South Carolina, a.k.a. Myrtle Beach. And that is actually where my dad saw some UFOs. So I can attest to this location that you might actually see flying saucers floating above the ocean there. We actually have a video of it on our Instagram page at 13th Floor Podcast where you can see the little orbs just kind of floating off in the distance. But they looked like white spheres. So
1: That is so weird. I never thought Myrtle Beach had like any kind of. I don't know paranormal association.
0: There's a lot of a lot of people yeah. report seeing UFOs at Myrtle Beach.
1: Weird. So,
0: you guys, those are some places that you can get your travel on later this year. I don't know. I wonder are other uh, other countries already traveling the globe? Uh, I'm sure.
2: I mean, you can you can I don't know they they've lifted and dropped the restrictions a couple times. I know some people.
0: Well, one thing that I want to know, and I've had two people two two. People from outside of the United States tell me that only people who are in the United States believe in aliens because we're the only people who see them. I have read so many stories. Not true. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I want to know if you are not from the United States and you have seen an alien ship or something. I just I want to know that you've seen one. That it's not just Americans who see these things. It's not. It's not. It's not. But yeah, tell us. Yeah, I want to hear your stories. Maybe if you send us a, an alien story, we'll read it here on the show and we'll, we'll give you a shout out. Yeah. So if you have a story, you can send it to us on Instagram or on our email, 13th Floor Podcast. And that's the number one, the number three, thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. So you guys, that is USO's Danielle. Thank you so much again for submitting this topic. This was a fun one and also like... Aliens have just been giving me heart pal- palpitations lately. Mm. I don't like them. Ever since we recorded our last Patreon episode about aliens and Project Bluebeam, I've, I've had them on my brain a lot lately. Blue Book? No, Bluebeam.
1: Bluebeam, you're right. Yeah, Bluebeam. How
0: <laughs> dare you. But anyways, mm. um, do you guys have anything that you want to add before we draw from the vase?
2: Uh, yeah, you can find Grant Cook's music who did our intro on iTunes, Amazon Music, YouTube, uh, anywhere you listen to music. Spotify also.
1: Mm.
0: All right. Drop from the vase.
1: If, uh, yeah, the Navy, it was uh, Project Blue Book. That was the research. And then the conspiracy theory about faked aliens is Project Blue Bean. So if Asari are real, it would be Project Blue Boob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: James has a very, very strong fixation on the, the Asari Aliens from some video game, apparently. So are you guys ready to hear what we're talking about next week? Yeah. We are talking about the world's most dangerous creatures, and this topic was submitted to us by Rockin' Rick.
2: Mm. Nice. Thanks, Rockin' Rick.
0: Yeah, Rockin' Rick. I love that. He said, can you call me Rockin' Rick? And I said, heck, yes, I can. Mm. So, Rick, Rockin' Rick, thank you for submitting this topic. James, how do you feel about talking about the world's most dangerous creatures? creatures. Oh
1: I am stoked. Like this is this is my wheelhouse, you guys. This is my forte. You guys don't even know.
0: As oh, James man. is sitting in his office surrounded by tarantulas.
1: <sighs> yeah, chartreuse is twerking like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put so, that up on our Instagram.
0: Chartreuse is apparently very excited about this topic too. So Rock and Rick, you you made chartreuse shaker booty. Um <laughs> So I guess that's it, you guys. You know, keep your eyes on the skies. If you're at the beach and you see a USO, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. I crack myself up. All right, right, you guys. Until next week. Until next week. (laughs) We hope that you can...
1: Keep keep it straight.